good morning, everybody. Pastor Steve here. Thank you so much for being with me today. And while you're opening your Bible to Galatians chapter 4, if you haven't done that already, I just want to really encourage you to invite people to come with you this Sunday. We have a guest speaker, Brian Hausman, who has been with us before, does a great job, uh, especially in the area of family and parenting and, and technology and all of those uh, issues. And he's going to be speaking on some of the myths surrounding perfect parenting. We have these ideas that if we're a perfect parent, then... And he's going to uh, unpackage some of that for us, and I think you'll be encouraged and helped. So come and bring people with you. All right, Galatians chapter 4, <clears throat> Paul continues building his argument, if you will, layer upon layer, uh, explaining why salvation is by faith alone, not faith plus anything else. And for these, faith plus the law, and in particular being circumcised, Gentiles having to be circumcised before they could believe in Jesus, coming under the Jewish law of the Old Testament. And he makes a couple of particular arguments in chapter 4 as to why that is wrong. And as believers, we don't subject ourselves to the law. We're free from that. It's by salvation. Our justification is by faith and faith alone. And in the opening verses of the chapter, starting at verse 1 and verse 2, um, he picks up on the, the reality that in, in, in the culture of, of 2,000 years ago, <clears throat> children had very few rights. In fact, in some ways, they were like slaves. And even though you may be a man's child and ultimately his heir, you had no right to that heir, to, to what you would inherit as his son until you reach whatever age he established. And, and in some ways, you were like a slave. Now, you were really his son. You just didn't have those rights yet. And you were under, he talks about a tutor or a manager or um, um, there's another word. I can't think of it right now. And, and when you reach that age, then you moved out from under that manager, out from under that, uh, that uh, tutor or whatever, and you were free as an adult. And, and what he says is the law was our tutor, our manager, and Jesus came at the perfect time, at the right time in history to set us free from that. In other words, when Jesus came, it's a symbolic way of saying we reached that age where as an heir of the promise of God to Abraham and through Abraham that we receive in Jesus, sonship with God, sonship of Abraham, if you will, as we talked about in previous days uh, here in Galatians, Jesus came at the right time. And that is, that is, uh, that is symbolic of reaching that age when a child became a man and could be, and, and could be free and was treated differently and could have his inheritance. He said, so the same thing is true with us spiritually. We are no longer under the elemental things of the law that, that taught us and prepared us for adulthood. We are now sons. We're now in Christ, free in Jesus. So why would you want to go back to being a child who really doesn't have any Rights, And he said, if you, if you make salvation about faith plus the law, you're putting yourself back like a slave, back like a child with no rights. But you've now, through Jesus, you're free. So don't go back to that. Now, the other argument he makes in this chapter, starting at verse 21 and, and through the rest of the chapter, is 
it's, it's more complex and complicated and difficult for us as Americans in 2024 to really understand because he uses a form of allegorical argument that was very common in his day and in certain cultures, but it's a little bit foreign to us, so it's not as persuasive to us, but it would have been persuasive to his original audience, and it would have made sense to his audience in a way that maybe it doesn't quite make sense to us. So if you're a little confused when you read verses 21 and on, join the club. Welcome to the club, okay? Because uh, it's just a different culture. And, and, and so that explains some of that. But what he's doing here is he goes back to Abraham and Sarah, Abraham, the, the father of the Jewish people, but also in Galatians, the one to whom God gave the promise that through his descendant, his seed, singular, i.e. Jesus, he would bless the world. And he's already made the argument in Galatians that those who are, who are people of faith, okay, are the true sons of Abraham, the true heirs of the promise, through the seed, i.e. through Jesus. And so he's going to use an allegorical analogy to make the point. Again, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. A little bit made more sense to the people he wrote this to. So you have Abraham and I, you have Abraham and Sarah. And God has said, through your heir, through your seed, through your son, I'm going to fulfill that promise to bless the world. And years go by and Sarah doesn't get pregnant and they come up with their own scheme and and uh, she has a, a handmaid, a slave named Hagar, and Abraham, with Sarah's permission, has relations with Hagar, and she gives birth to a son, and they name him Ishmael. Later, God blesses Sarah in her old, old age to become pregnant, and she gives birth to a son, Isaac. And the, the, the Reader's Digest version, the Cliff Notes version, is that God fulfilled the promise not through Ishmael, who was born first to the bondwoman, the bondservant, the slave, Hagar, but through Isaac, the child of Abraham's lawful wife, the free woman, Sarah. And, and, and he says, in a similar way, and, and then what happened, those of you who remember Genesis, Hagar and her son were cast away, and then he became the father of some of the Middle Eastern and Arab peoples, but uh, hey, uh, Sarah's son and Isaac became the patriarch of the Jewish people, and it, and, and it was through his seed that Jesus came, the seed, singular seed, through whom the world was blessed and the promise was fulfilled, and we are heirs of Abraham and heirs of that promise as a result. And so he says kind of two things. One is if you go back under the law, you're putting yourself in bondage like Hagar and Ishmael, not in freedom like Sarah and Isaac. And then he, 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 he does another allegory and says, Hagar and Ishmael are like the earthly Jerusalem. They represent the earthly Jerusalem and the law, the Old Testament law God gave at Sinai. But Sarah and her son Isaac represent the heavenly Jerusalem, salvation and heaven and the fulfillment of the promise of God and freedom. So why would you want to place yourself under the earthly Jerusalem instead of the heavenly Jerusalem? Why would you want to put yourself under the Mosaic law of slavery rather than the freedom of Christ? And that's essentially the arguments he makes in this chapter. Now, devotionally, what really sp spoke to me 
uh, was verse 19. And, and in some sense, it spoke to me as a pastor. Uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 19, he says, My children, this is the Apostle Paul to these believers in these various churches in the Galatia area. He said, My children, with who I am again in labor, with my children with whom I am again working, until Christ is formed in you. Now, back in verse 11, he had talked about when he had labored with them in the past. In other words, previously to writing this letter years ago, some years ago, Paul, as a pastor, evangelist, preacher, missionary, preached the gospel. He labored among these peoples in these cities of Galatia. He labored among them. He worked among them, shared the gospel. They became saved. Churches were started. He worked then. And then in verse 19, he says, once again... I am laboring, working among you, but this time it's not for your salvation. It's not to share with you the gospel. This time I'm having to labor and work in you so that you, you reach maturity in Christ, so that Christ is formed in you. Um, we and many other churches define a disciple as somebody who is following Jesus, being transformed by Jesus or changed by Jesus, and is on mission with Jesus. Verse 19 is referring to that second part, being transformed. To, to, to be mature as a disciple is not just to learn more Bible. To be mature as a disciple is to become more like Jesus and then be on mission with Jesus. Okay? And so Paul says, I'm trying to get you to be like Jesus, but you're wanting to go back and be like you were before you got saved. Put yourself under the law. Why? Why are you doing that? Um, I would imagine there are some people on Sundays who get tired of hearing me talk about D groups. Well, I'm going to keep talking about it because God has called me and every other pastor to do what we can to see that Christ is formed in you. And that's not just a slogan. There has to be a strategy behind it. And the problem is most churches have no strategy to help believers mature other than we're going to offer a few classes and I'm going to preach, but there's not an intentional strategy to develop Christian maturity in the masses of God's people. If you want to know one of the reasons we do D groups and one of the reasons we have this Bible reading plan, that's it. That's it. And it takes work and it takes strategy and it takes dogged persistence. And at First Baptist, we're going to keep after it until Jesus comes and takes us home. Hey, God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow as we look at uh, chapter 5.